0: Is it going Miami Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same
1: mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. When you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Hey, Miami Dolphins. Hey,
0: Miami Dolphins number one. First place. First place in the AFC East all by ourselves, thanks to a big win by the Jacksonville Jaguars at home against the New England Patriots, the Dolphins at 2-0 after defeating the New York Jets, the disgusting, putrid, horrible New York Jets. The Miami Dolphins are 2-0 and all by themselves at the top of the AFC East. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And listen, is this, is this going to be a sign of things to come? Maybe, maybe not. But either way, we're going to enjoy it right now because it's a really great thing to see the Dolphins go on the road and get a big win over the Jets and start their season 2-0 and then come home, coming up for a game next weekend against the 0-2 Oakland Raiders. So you got to be feeling pretty good if you're a Miami Dolphin fan. Brain, they did it. We sang the fuck the Jets song and it worked. The Dolphins knocked off the New York Jets. There was a lot of hype coming into this game. Sam Darnold is going to save the New York Jets. He's going to turn the team around and he's going to be this magnificent leader that they've been searching for 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 so very long, he's he's going to be the the hero of the next generation of New York Jets fans. And I thought the the sort of narrative was a little bit out of control after one football game on a Monday night against the Detroit Lions. Uh, and I think the Dolphins brought Darnold back to earth a little bit, not all the way, because let's face it, the kid can play. The kid can play, but the Dolphins did their part to show everybody that this is still, in fact, a rookie quarterback, and he doesn't have some magic key to unlock all of the problems of the universe. Uh, And, you know, the Dolphins brought him back to earth a little bit. But, I mean, the kid's good. There's no doubt the kid can play. But the Dolphins, like I said, brought him back to earth a little bit with their victory today. Brain, what are you just, what's your initial takeaway from this game, the, the sort of one big thing I asked everybody on on Twitter and, and Facebook, and I'll read some of those answers in just a second. But first, let me let me hear it from you. What is your one big takeaway from this this game between the Dolphins and the Jets?
1: My biggest takeaway from this game was that the Dolphins were very opportunistic. The Dolphins took advantage of some major, major mistakes by the New York Jets and made the most of them. And then at the end of the game, when they needed to put the game, I mean, it, they didn't exactly put the game away. They, they had a couple of opportunities, but when it got really down to the end, they were able to put this game away and not have to sweat out a last minute drive by the Jets. They did what it took to get a W, and I thought that that showed, whether you want to call it maturity or toughness or mental toughness, perseverance, good teams find ways to win games even when they don't play great, and that's what this was from the Dolphins. They found a way to seal the deal and come up with a victory, even though they played far from a perfect game.
0: Yeah, it certainly was far from from their absolute best, but I think that's something to actually be encouraged about. The Dolphins are 2-0, and here they are having not really played their best football for a full 60 minutes. So that, that's something to, to, I guess, be encouraged by because when you haven't really played two full games of, of complete football and you're you're still sitting pretty at 2-0 on top of the AFC East, it's a good place to be.
1: I think that this is what... A Dolphins winning season has to look like. I'm not saying they they can't play better than they played in this game or better than they played in week one, but I think you have to realize that the Dolphins are a limited team. They are a flawed team and they're going to need to find ways to win close football games. And you're going to get much closer games than you than you had in in these first two weeks. But I don't think the Dolphins are going to have very many games where they're on the the right side of a two touchdown or three touchdown victory. Uh, so for the Dolphins to win, it's going to be efforts like this. There are going to be mistakes. And there are going to be times where you say, "Ugh, this team just does not look good because they are limited. They're flawed. They're not going to be some juggernaut team that, you know, I don't think that you'll ever see a game from them this year where you say this team can beat anybody in the league. uh, If they play like this, I just just don't think you're going to see that from this team because I just think they have a very limited upside, but if you can capitalize on the other team's mistakes and limit your own and just cash in when you've got the opportunities, that's that's how you win football games in the NFL. It
0: really is. And and what you're saying, I think, goes really well with a point that um, at Jay Perez three nine eight seven said on Twitter, he tweeted at us, and you can tweet at us as well, at Same Old Dolphins on Twitter. I asked what his one big takeaway from this game was, and what he said was, we closed the game for the second week in a row, this time on the road. It took a little while. It took a little while, but that final drive from the Dolphins really did put a nail in the coffin for the Jets. When the Jets were sort of sneaking back into this game, the Dolphins finally did manage to put one drive together to shut the door, which which was kind of nice. A really good thing, I think. And especially to do so on the road at MetLife Stadium. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing against the New York Jets. So the Dolphins are 2-0. and Some other thoughts here from uh, Twitter. At Dolphins end zone says, I'm, you know what? I'm going to save his. I'm going to save his for just a second, but I'm going to go to at Denver Finfan who said, the run D and secondary looked solid, but too many missed tackles on D still. With sitting gone, the offensive line needs some work. Tannehill still looking for his groove. I, I, I want to say that the offensive line had some moments in this game where they looked shaky. They also had some moments in this game where they didn't look too bad. Um, so it was it was sort of spotty. And I think that's probably going to be something that we see quite a bit of going down the stretch as. as we're we're gonna see moments where this offensive line looks really good, and some other moments where it leaves a little bit to be desired. With uh, Ted Larson filling in for Josh Sitton, and uh, Daniel Kilgore going in coming in today, uh, having one of the worst snaps I've ever seen. Uh, he just it looked like he just basically looked like he fumbled on purpose. It was it was pretty awful. But I thought the O line looked okay at times. Um, Tannehill. Here's the thing, Tannehill. And this was the thing that I was thinking at halftime. Tannehill looked like really good in the first half. I mean, that's as good a half of football. I think as you said on Twitter, Brain, uh, at Aaron the Brain, you said this afternoon that that's about as good a half of football as you could ask for from Ryan Tannehill. And the thing that's really interesting about that is that in the first half of the game, the Dolphins hadn't really established their run game. They had run it a couple of times and they had, they had, they ran a few design runs for Tannehill that I think worked really well and kept the Jets sort of off balance. But the Dolphins hadn't really pounded the running game. They hadn't really worked to establish the running game. Tannehill was just putting good numbers up based on what the offense was doing. And I thought there were a night, a lot, a few uh, nice wrinkles in the offense today, getting Albert Wilson involved in different ways. They ran the Wildcat play. Um, I, I just, I just think they really did a good job playing within themselves and, uh, you know, Tannehill was able to put up some decent numbers without even really having to rely too heavily on the run game in the first
1: half. That's the way that I would describe it is that he played within himself and that's really what they need from Ryan Tannehill. And yes, they didn't get the run game going and usually... When they don't get the run game going, that that does not bode well for Tannehill. And I think that that probably would have been the case in this game, except the Dolphins did get two massive turnovers from their defense, where the offense got the luxury of starting their drives deep in Jets territory with a short field, and both times that they got that in the first half, they were able to cash in touchdowns. And that was literally the difference in the game for the, for the vast majority of the game. The difference in this game was the fact that the jets had two massive turnovers in the first half and the dolphins were able to cash both in for touchdowns. And Tannehill did not need to do a whole lot in the first half. All he needed to do. I mean, he made, he made the, he, he, The good touchdown pass, but let's, let's be real that the touchdown pass was a nice crossing route. The first touchdown pass, a nice crossing pass, uh, crossing route to Albert Wilson. He hits him in stride, but then Wilson does the rest. And that's where, uh, I think this was a, a nice showing again for the dolphins receivers, the dolphins receiving core showing that they can easily make up for the loss of Jarvis Landry, uh, whether it's, uh, Albert Wilson or Jakeem Grant or Danny Amendola, the three guys combined can make up for the loss of Jarvis Landry. And that's what you you saw over the course of the game and especially in the first half. And then where I do think that Tannehill really stepped up and I thought was the most encouraging sign of this game from Tannehill was that last drive of the first half that the Dolphins get the ball back up 14, nothing with, I think about 3 minutes left to go and they're right around their 25 30 yard line. That's a spot that historically the Dolphins will be lucky and you'd feel great if they come out with a field goal on that drive, let alone a touchdown. But historically that's the, the Dolphins, you know, will run a screen pass or they'll they'll get a stupid holding penalty, they'll have some sort of negative play and then they'll say, "All right, let's Let's hold back and let's just run the clock out. That's historically what has happened to the Dolphins in this situation. And Tannehill took charge, drove them right down the field, and came up with uh, a really a great play uh, for the with the touchdown pass to to Derby uh, to put the Dolphins up twenty to nothing. And at that point, that's where you say Tannehill played within himself and then also showed us something you know, something above average, where that that's where I would say, you know, that's about as good a half as you can expect Ryan Tannehill to have. That's not to say that it's the best half that Ryan Tannehill will ever have, because I'm sure he'll have some outliers. But on a consistent basis, limiting mistakes, throwing a couple of touchdown passes, playing within yourself, that's the Ryan Tannehill that we need to see.
0: It is. It absolutely is. I, I was... I was impressed with Tannehill today. His final numbers in this game, uh, by the way, as I pull up his statistics here, his final numbers in the game as far as passing, he was 17 for 23, 168 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did have a fumble that was pretty bad uh, where the ball just slipped out of his hand. It was kind of one of those vintage Tannehill plays. There are still times where Tannehill is holding on to the ball too long. And there are times where it just seems like he's completely blind in the pocket and is unaware of the pressure that he's facing. But there are other times where his pocket awareness seems to be really good. Um, I just think it's it's one of those things where it's just an example of why Ryan Tannehill is never going to be um, a quote-unquote elite quarterback in this league because there are just still too many times where – there, you find yourself in situations where he is either missing something. He's, he's not aware of what is happening around him or he makes a, a stupid mistake like that ball slipping out of his hand. Um, these are just not plays that you see from like the very best of the best, um, all the time. And I feel like you can count on something like that from Ryan Tannehill once every couple of games. At any rate, a very good performance from Tannehill
1: today. I, I do think that, uh, You have to ask yourself a question when you see Ryan Tannehill taking sacks. Now, granted, the fumbles, that's an issue that absolutely has to be cleaned up because you talked about the fumble that he lost. He also had a fumble in the first half on that strip sack from behind uh, where he's being chased down. He realizes that he's being chased down. And instead of throwing the, the ball away or at least protecting the ball, he gets sacked and drops it and fumbles. And it luckily, you know, he was able to recover it or the Dolphins were able to recover that that fumble because that would have been a huge turnover in the first half. And that is a vintage Ryan Tannehill fumble that we saw consistently through the first four or five years of his career. Uh, And so to see that in this game, it's a red flag. But when but as far as taking sacks and the checkdowns on on third and long. You got to ask yourself the question Would you rather Ryan Tannehill take those sacks when on third and long there's nothing really downfield? He would have to make a risky throw, or would you rather him make the risky throw? Because to me, it comes down to, like we said before, playing within yourself and understanding that you're not Aaron Rodgers, you're not Tom Brady. But it's not always about making a risky throw. Sometimes it's just about getting rid of the football. That Yes, and I believe that that is something that he's got to work on um, instead of taking so many negative plays. But the majority of these sacks came on plays where he did have time and there was just nothing open. And instead of pulling the trigger on what would have been a risky throw, he, he ate a sack. And if you eat a sack on a third and long where you where there's nowhere to go with the ball, then I'm fine with that. Now, there's a difference between eating a sack on a third and long and eating a sack on, you know, a second and five, because now you take that sack on a second and five and now you're in a third and long. But if you're in a third and long and there's nothing there and you end up eating a sack, it's whatever, because you're going to end up punting the ball away anyway. So, uh. I don't mind the sacks as much, and again, I understand the frustration, but I also understand that that is partially what he's coached to do because we're trying to limit mistakes, and two, that's him playing within himself.
0: Yeah, he's going to mature to a certain degree or continue to maybe. But I don't again, know. He's but then he's again, maybe not. Yeah, point. I mean, I guess, I guess this is what he is. Yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, you're right. This is Tannehill is who Tannehill is and who he will always be, and that's sort of what I mentioned at the at the start of this. Little section on Ryan Tannehill here. Um, moving on from Tannehill, other things in this game that I thought were standout positives for the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think we need to talk about that defensive line because we were worried a little bit last week that the defensive line wasn't really getting a whole lot of penetration and wasn't putting a ton of pressure, wouldn't, wasn't able to get any sacks on, uh, on Mariota or Gabbert last week, but they were putting pressure on Sam Darnold. Pretty much from the outset today, and they were constantly getting pressure on him. Uh, ended up sacking him three times. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, sacked him four times in this game. And, no, three, three times. Well, it did sack him three times. So it was uh, a very good a good showing from the defensive line as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. But I think what is even bigger than that, and I think this is such a key to how the Dolphins were able to stop the Jets today, is that one of the things that the Jets had done last week that really set up um, Sam Darnold was they ran the ball really well on early downs, and that sort of set them up to be able to pass later. And the Dolphins' defense held the New York Jets' to a total of 42 yards on the ground. And I think that speaks very well of the defensive front. I think it actually speaks pretty well for our linebackers who, while I, I certainly wouldn't say they had a great game, they certainly had a solid game. Um, and as far as when it comes to stopping the run, they did a very good job. Kiko Alonso had a pretty good game today, forced a couple of fumbles, had some big hits. Um, I Listen, the defensive front looked good today, Brain.
1: They did. And, uh, that was Robert Quinn. It was William Hayes. Devon Godchow, uh, made his, his presence felt what I came away most impressed with and most impressed by was Jordan Phillips gets hurt. Now we know that after losing in Dominican Sioux, We're already very shaky at that defensive tackle position. And what we're hoping for is that this four-man rotation of Phillips, Godshaw, Taylor, and Spence can hold down the four. And when Phillips went down, Phillips has been their best defensive tackle in the preseason, in camp, and last week. So he goes down. I thought immediately, this is trouble. We're going to miss Jordan Phillips. And I thought Akeem Spence stepped up, Devon Godshaw uh, se- stepped up uh, on a on a third down. William Hayes came in, and they moved him on the inside, playing playing Quinn on the outside and Hayes on the inside. And William Hayes had a pressure at defensive tackle, and I was really pleasantly surprised by the play of the Dolphins' defensive tackles in this game. Uh, and it was mostly in uh, in just stopping the run, but also in getting pressure on Sam Darnold because the majority of the time that the Dolphins got pressure on Darnold, it was not through blitzes. They did blitz a few times, but they had the most success getting to Darnold just rushing four. And that's what this defense is built to do. And that's what this defense is going to need to do to consistently be effective. So I was really happy with the play of the defensive line.
0: Yeah, it was it was a very good showing for that particular unit. So so they're gonna go home happy. Um Brain, any other any other big time positives that that you want to mention here in this game before we talk about it's weird. We're we're so caught up in the positives that we're actually talking about the positives first instead of the negatives, which is the, you know, we're doing the opposite of what we normally, do. but that's okay. Cause it's, it's a victory day.
1: And we're in first place. First, first place, it's the, baby. It's gotta be positive. First um, place. Uh, I look, I, I thought that the, the running back tandem uh, of Drake and Gore was still, was still solid. Frank Gore, number
0: four. All-time in the history of the NFL as far as rushing yards, career rushing yards.
1: Well done, Frank Gore. And also, uh, Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard uh, continues to really lock down his side of the field. Uh, And part of that is because of his own play. And, of course, he had the big interception in the end zone. Uh, Really one of the bigger turning points, one of the bigger plays of this game. Uh, his interception early in the third quarter, after a costly Dolphins turnover, to turn that right back around and get the interception in the end zone. I thought one of the bigger plays of the game, but you know, partially because of his own play and partially because of the question marks on the other side of the field at that number two corner spot. Xavier Howard is basically locking down one half of the field, which makes it significantly easier to game plan and to to shade coverage towards the other side. Uh, It it makes it significantly easier to call plays defensively when you have a corner that can do that. And Xavier and Howard had, had himself a great game and continues to look like he may be in for a pro bowl season.
0: Oh, that would be spectacular. I think that's something that dolphins fans across the country would be very, very happy about. Um, I want to go ahead and say one other thing here, and, and then we can move on to the negatives. But oh, I know where you're going. Do you, the, the one positive. Yeah. Uh, Matt Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> that was was not where I was going, but Matt Hawk had himself a hell of well, a game
1: today, didn't he? We'd be remiss if we didn't say it, because Matt Hawk, arguably, you could make the case for him being the MVP of this game. You
0: really could. He kept pinning the, the Jets back and giving them... Bad field position to start their drives. And, you know, that gave the defense the confidence that they needed to to stop the Jets and sort of let the Dolphins control the field position battle in this game. Hawk with, I think, every punt that he had in this game ended up inside the 20-yard line.
1: Five of the six, four of them inside the 10. Fantastic. We don't talk about the punters enough on this. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a time there, you know, the Wanstat years where... The punter was was arguably the best player on the team. Was that the Wanstat years, or was that maybe the the, the two Sabin years? I mean, but, that I whole know.
0: era was sort of a wash. The Cam yeah. Cameron era. What about uh, we got to come up with a name for we got to come up with a, a, a good name for Hawks fan club. If you have a good name for the Matt Hawk. Fan club, tweet at us, at Same Old Dolphins. Let us know what you think. You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. Leave us a note over there what you think Matt Hawk's fan club should be called. No, that where I was going to go was I was going to say that I was really pleased again with the performance of this wide receiver unit. And after Devontae Parker was ruled inactive shortly before this game, It made me wonder just exactly what his future is. And after watching this game and watching how Jakeem Grant really stepped up and played an active part in the passing game today, I really don't know if there is a place in this passing game for Devontae Parker. I mean, for Devontae Parker as he has been. If Devontae Parker is going to eventually become the stud receiver that he that, you know, we always sort of hoped he would be, then perhaps there's a place for him on this team. But if he's not, if he's going to be the same Devontae Parker that we've seen over the last several years, there is not a place on this Miami Dolphins team for that receiver. And they're doing just fine without him.
1: Yeah, I think he's destined to be a guy who gets in in specific packages Uh, Unless there is an injury uh, ahead of him, which there there very well could be, it's not a deep receiving core. Yeah, I thought Danny
0: Amendola might have passed away at one point this (laughs) afternoon.
1: Right, and and we're all waiting for Danny Amendola to get hurt because it's something that he does every year. So when you see him, Joe, when when you see him pull his helmet off after getting tackled right away and then the trainers come out you're like okay well Amendola is going to be missing the next three weeks
0: yeah my first thought was oh great he punctured a lung he's out yeah I I mean I was going no like I was just like there's some weird bizarre injury that just happened to Danny Amendola and we're never gonna see
1: yeah I, I thought it was a broken rib something something to that effect uh but I guess he just got the wind knocked out of him so it was good uh but as for Devontae Parker, I think his role is probably going to be down near the end zone kind of goal line packages. But even even there, I don't know that you can trust him. At the, at the end of the day, you can't put him in there unless Tannehill can trust him as much as he trusts the other receivers. Otherwise, I mean, maybe you could get away with using him a little bit as a decoy, but We've seen too many times him – what you hope to see from him is that even when he's covered, he's not covered because he's so big and he's so athletic and so long that you could just throw the ball up there and he will fight and come down with it. But what you've seen is the opposite, is that when those 50-50 balls come, he's not fighting for it enough and not fighting for it so much so that – the defensive back ends up with an uncontested interception and that's going to cause Tannehill to not look his way, even if he's out there. And at that point, if you've got a receiver that the quarterback can't trust and can't look his way, then that just makes you more predictable on offense. So uh, I think he's the number five receiver on this team right now. And I'd be surprised if that changed unless, you know, unless there was an injury or something significant happened in front of him to really give him that opportunity, because I, I don't see any reason to force him in there.
0: No, none whatsoever. I, I don't know why you would want to at this point, because if you do, what are you going to get from him? you? have No idea what you're going to get from him. At this point, we're starting to figure out that, that these other four wide receivers are a known quantity where Parker is always going to be something of a question mark to me. So at any rate, let's move on to areas that need improvement in this uh, from this game. Brain, I think the first one that jumped out to me was that third down efficiency. Dolphins ended up 6 of 13, so a, a bit better today, but there were still some moments in this game where some of the play calling on third down was a little bit questionable. Um, still struggling a little bit on third downs, even though there was a little bit of an improvement this afternoon.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, 6 for 13, you, you could live with that just about every week at, from this team. Um, you know, people will bitch and moan about the play calling on third and long, but it's hard to really tell what's there and what the play call is when you're watching on TV. You got to kind of look at the game film uh, and see, you know, we're guys covered down the field. I do think that Tannehill is very quick to check down in those situations. But again, this comes down to him playing within himself and within himself. And he's partially coached to do that. And partially this is him maturing into the quarterback that he is and trying to get the most out of what he is instead of making the risky throw that he is not great at when, especially if you're in the lead in the game, it's early in the game. Let's just make the save throw, see if you can if your receiver can make a play out of it. Now, granted, you'd like to see more. you'd you'd like to see a little bit more. but at the end of the day, six for thirteen is not too shabby, and that's something that you can live with. um i I thought that that was it's it's still something that could use improvement, certainly, but I thought it was it was significantly better today than it was. Uh, a week ago, and I think that that was also helped out by getting into some better down and distances and also not shooting yourself in the foot with pre-snap penalties, uh, which that, that's another positive that we really didn't mention is that I believe the Dolphins had only one pre-snap penalty in this game and it came on defense. I don't believe the offense had a single pre-snap penalty.
0: Yeah, Dolphins were penalized uh, without uh, – and the final stats were two penalties for 10 yards. Um, so that's a pretty fantastic performance for a team that has in the past not been very disciplined. This was a big step in the right direction in that regard. I would certainly say that for sure. Other uh, things in this game that you think need improvement?
1: Well, we talked about uh, ball security with Tannehill. Um, We talked about the offensive line. Uh, I believe that is probably the biggest issue uh, that you've got to shore up. If they're going to have trouble uh, protecting Tannehill right up the middle uh, between the the A-gap, between the guard and the center... Uh, That's going to be something that that is a problem all year long. Uh, It's going to be hard to overcome that. The other thing is uh, they continue to have difficulty uh, covering whether it's whether it's a tight end or whether it's a running back linebackers in coverage. Raekwon McMillan was absolutely scorched uh, on the touchdown by by Bilal Powell on the on the easy angle route he came up way too aggressive on Powell and then Powell just turned right up the field and had the middle of the field wide open for him. Uh, so I, I think that's still a major issue. We know that Kiko Alonso is never going to be great in coverage, but what Kiko Alonso does make up for is he he's at least a sure tackler. Uh, even if he gets beat, He'll, and even if he gets beat for like a 15-yard gain, he'll still make that hit and he'll still flex after he does it. But at least he's not giving up, you know, the 40-yard the play with the, with the run after the catch. Um, Rayquan McMillan uh, definitely got exposed. Uh, and this was the second week in a row because you remember Deion Lewis really uh, had his way in the passing game last week against uh, for Tennessee and then Bilal Powell did the same thing this week Um, and there were some missed tackles there were some bad missed tackles Uh, TJ McDonald had some missed tackles in week one and had a really horrific missed tackle in this game uh, on a on a little bubble screen that should have been stopped for a two yard loss yeah, it was to he the, uh, the to the
0: tight end and yeah. uh, it should have been yeah it should have been a no gain or maybe a loss of a couple yards turned into like a twenty something yard gain on the play pretty disappointing
1: yeah so uh, you know you're you're not going to make every tackle but we we are seeing a little bit more missed tackles and it's becoming a trend uh, and that's something that needs to get cleaned up for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, and then the other thing is sort of, I don't know, it's sort of a negative, but it might also be sort of a positive. And when when, when the game was 20 to nothing going into halftime, you thought, well, I would love to see the Dolphins come out and, and really try to put this game away. And they started doing the same old Dolphins thing where they just didn't look good at all in the second half. They, they couldn't uh, seem to get much going. The one time they had a good offensive drive, they ended up fumbling it away. And the Jets took over and it really looked like the Dolphins were going to let the Jets all the way back in. But as we mentioned earlier, the Dolphins finally managed to get it together and put that game ending drive together and uh, escaped the Meadowlands with their second victory of the season. And that brings me to the tweet from the Dolphins end zone at Dolphins end zone. uh, When I asked him what his big takeaway is from this game, he said, first half, the new Dolphins like it. Second half, almost the same old Dolphins. So they weren't exactly the same old dolphins because they stopped and they figured out a way to hold on and get the win. So they were not quite the same old dolphins. I really like it. So it was a it was a good, good afternoon of football at at the end of the day. The second half was a little bit uglier than we would have wanted, but hey. I'll take it because a win is a win is a win in the National Football League. A couple of last things that I want to share with everybody before we wrap up here. Um, asked what his one big takeaway from this game was. At Miami Mike 1313 says that the Jets suck and so do their fans. And I'm, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, and Ira Hirschhorn on, on Facebook also says the Jets stink. And while I certainly don't think the Jets stink, they're certainly not the Buffalo Bills who lost again today. They, uh, you know, I'm very happy to see that the Dolphins beat them. And fuck the Jets, right? Fuck the Jets? Fuck the Jets all the way, all the way to East Rutherford, New Jersey. Fuck them. The Miami Dolphins are 2-0. and And, Brain, we're going to be back here uh, later this week to preview our Week 3 encounter with the 0-2 Oakland Raiders. We'll have a lot to talk about in that one. In the meantime, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Can find me on Twitter at Aaron, the brain. And I am of course on Twitter at amplified to rock. You can also follow the show at same old dolphins. Uh, lots of you have done that already and we appreciate it. Um, you can also go over to our Facebook page. As I mentioned earlier, facebook.com slash same old dolphins. Give us a like and uh, follow our threads, leave comments there. We're, we're always interested to hear what everybody has to say. Um, we ask a lot of questions and we hope that you will give us answers. And then we, of course, will share them here on the show. You should also go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now, and where you can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the same old Dolphin Show. Really do take some time out of your day. Just leave us a nice review, real positive review. Leave us a five-star rating. It's going to help us. It helps other people find the show and helps this uh, Miami Dolphins fan community that we live in um, grow and flourish. And of course, go over to SoundCloud and where you can follow us and get every single episode of the same old dolphin show that's over there on SoundCloud for, uh, I believe it's soundcloud.com slash same old dolphins. That is going to wrap us up for this victory Sunday episode of the same old dolphin show. We will see you later this week for the preview of a, the Oakland Raiders game back in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. But until then, for Aaron the Brain, this is Amplified to Rock. This is Josh. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Fuck the Jets. Go Dolphins.